Welcome everybody to the Wasatch Report. This is episode number 63. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson's joining me today. We're going to talk about trucks. want to thank you for joining us over at Anchor FM. If you start from Anchor FM, you can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. You can also follow this page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. I have a website, SuzanneCSherman.com. And from there, you can find my published articles from the American Conservative. We're going to be discussing an article from them today and the 10th Amendment Center, the Abbeville Institute, to name a few. And then my blogs are all posted there. Most of them concern preparedness, but some do get into politics, uh, the most recent of which was the issue of the Texas abortion law and federalism. It's a nonpartisan examination of how the states and feds must interplay in our constitutional republic. We also have a suggested reading page where you can help us out by ordering, and that will take you to some Amazon affiliate links. I have also gone through my blogs now and incorporated affiliate links for certain products that you will see on our blog. So anything that you order from there helps us out. You get some great products, great reading materials, doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps us out. If you would like to simply donate, you can go to my homepage. There's a link there for donate. That'll take you to PayPal, and you can send some money and help us out that way. And again, you can support our podcast directly by going to Anchor FM on the show page. Jeff, if everybody that listened put maybe 99 cents an episode or $4.99 a month, that would help us get some uh, nice com- equipment so we wouldn't have to go through the, the drama we went through getting our show ready today. But I'm glad you've calmed down. And I sincerely appreciate your efforts in doing everything technical on this, because if I had to do my own show, I'd be doing it via smoke signals. Won't say what kind of smoke, but thank you so much for all you do. I know it can be very frustrating. And without you, there would be no show. Going back to suggested reading, the Lost Frontier Handbook is available both in the physical and the electronic version. You can go to www.lostfrontierhandbook.com. Dot com and order that. Learn the ways of the pioneers. It is your ultimate guide to self-reliance. All right, Jeff, have you calmed down? <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, of course, you know, when you try to change things and you, uh, to do something a little different, uh, it screws up everything else. And it took me a little bit of uh, frustration this morning to get us back set up so we could get this show on the air later. So, oh, good morning, Suzanne. And yes, I'm ready to go. Well, I'm kind of thinking of the Christmas story episode where, or the movie, the part where they're saying to this day, there's a tapestry of profanity that still looms over Gillette, Pennsylvania from us starting to launch our show. Anyway, let's get at it. A mutual friend of ours on his show um, talked about an article that was published in the American Conservative. And this really resonated with me because I am a lover of trucks and uh, never thought I'd have one until I ended up getting a horse and needed to haul my horse around in a truck. But this is called Lament for the Pickup Truck. There's some stuff here that I really agree with. There's some stuff that I find a little bit questionable, as I always do with every, you know, every article. But I really did like hearing the coverage. Our friend Mike Church had had discussed this yesterday. And when I read the article, I thought, you know, I'd really like to insert our take in here. And Jeff, I know you have some 
views as well. Let me just dive into this article and then we'll start with our commentary. And the article starts out, this was written by a gentleman by the name of Michael Warren Davis. He's sharing an anecdotal story about a gentleman who inherited a small farm from his family and he didn't really have equipment. So he was actually doing some farm work with an SUV that he repurposed to suit his needs there. And the reason he had to get uh, this SUV as opposed to a truck was because money is tight. Every truck he looks at falls into one of two categories. It's the right size, but it's old and not worth the money, or it's the right size, but so big he can't afford to fill the tank. Let's digress for a moment because as we know, Jeff, I just purchased a new truck. And the one that I already had, I got my I, my first truck. Let's talk about why I got a truck. I'm not a farmer. I got my first truck when I lived in California, when I got a horse and decided I did not want to pay my trainers these exorbitant fees to haul it to horse shows. I thought I'll just get my own truck and trailer and haul my horse myself. And it also gives me the latitude to go take him out on trail rides and go to other places. Am I a farmer? No. Did I get a truck? Yes. So I got that first one. It was two-wheel drive and decided to upgrade it to four-wheel drive. And I think I got a 2008 uh, Ford F-150 at the time. Fast forward now, it's 2013. I'm it, 2013. I moved to Utah and I still have this truck. It's got almost 200,000 miles on it. And I decided I needed something um, a little bit more upgraded for uh, my, you know, to take me out through the mountains here. And the other truck again was getting very tired and showing some signs of wear. And Jeff, we've been talking about shortages and how difficult it is to get these trucks. So I thought I'm going to start the process of looking right now, because in the future, who knows if they're all going to be electric and we're going to get into that because they're going to make it more and more difficult to get these trucks. So I just went to my local Ford dealership because I had my Ford before and looked there and the Ford dealership in Park City completely ignored me. And as I drove to the Chevy dealership, which was right next door, I saw them all in the window looking at me as I left. And I immediately, when I got to the next dealership, they came right out and I looked around. There was a truck, Jeff, that had over 40,000 miles on it. They wanted close to $50,000 for this truck. And I was thinking of getting something with a little more mileage because then they said, well, we have this uh, Silverado that just got brought back because the current owner brought it back because he was able to get a diesel truck. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. I'll look at it. And I fell in love with it. And it was a 2021. And I it only had a few thousand miles on it. And I was able to get this truck for 12000 off the sticker price. But I tell you what, Jeff, that sticker price gave me sticker shock. Never in my life did I anticipate I would ever spend so much money on a vehicle. My other vehicle is a Subaru Impreza. I spent about $20,000 on it and that was fine for me, but I still need a bigger car. And so I ended up biting the bullet and bought this thing. And I, I will not lie. I absolutely love it. It has features on it that I never had on my other one. And I have no regrets. And we have the same model or similar models of trucks, don't we? Yes, we do. I have a Silverado as well. But see, again, I went with the diesel because I haul a, a nearly 40-foot fifth wheel. So I needed a, a diesel, needed something a little bit more powerful with a lot more torque to get up and down hills and stuff. Because where I travel, 
uh, to my property up in Maine. It's it's in the mountains of Maine, so it's very hilly, and I needed this more torque and more ability to haul the campers. And what you were saying about the price, I, I warned you when you went. I think, if you remember, I think <laughs> I warned you that you were going to get a little bit of sticker shock because the inventory is so low on trucks that, I mean, quite honestly, I told you before the show, I know somebody who is trading his, going to trade his truck in or basically sell his truck to the dealership because he can get so much money for it. They're going to give him way more than he owes on it. He's going to make a lot of money and he's not going to replace it right now because they're selling their camper, whatever, whatever the reasons are. And he's going to get rid of it. And then sometime down the road, he wants to just get a new truck. And I didn't have the heart to tell him that in the future, you may not be able to find a truck to replace right. that with. I, I found, I'll go back to what I found. I found an industry article that was talking about the 2022 models. So you got a 21, the 22s are out. Um, and they were saying that there's going to be very few, uh, if any, 2,500, 3,500 uh, trucks. Those are half to, or three-quarter ton or one-ton trucks. There are going to be very, very few because of the chip shortage. Mm-hmm. They said there will be a few 1,500s or, or half tons, but they're going, to be, they're going to be very, very limited because they're going to put the chips to the cars, which may, that's what they want to do anyway. But there, this industry article was stating that there's going to be practically no trucks. And I think that's going to continue on in the future. I think you're going to find trucks become less and less. Um, it was interesting. I did a little research before the show. Uh, Ford Motor Company in uh, 1975 was producing, uh, you know, 40, 450,000-ish trucks a year. And then I looked at 2019. They did 1.3 million trucks in that year. So it tells you a couple things. The demand for trucks is really, really high, and they could sell a lot of them. And that was one thing that kind of set me off about this article and the the interview was the fact that they were saying it was people buying, quote unquote, boy toys. And we'll get into the article. You can read some of that stuff. Uh, Buying boy toys, or in your case, a girl toy, and uh, really not needing it for a business, and you're causing the shortages. And that just yeah. kind of upset me a little bit. You could literally drive a truck through some of the holes in their logic here. See what I did there? Let me go back to that article. And thank you for doing that other research because that really adds to the show. So, and I would also say that there are also a lot more trucks. They're very practical. And they are, there are also a lot more people in, around here, you know, than there were in 1975. So anyway, his neighbor, uh, this guy, Dan, that owned this farm or inherited the small farm, uh, was told by his neighbor, who was an established farmer, that you're ill-equipped for tra- uh, for tra- was telling Dan you are ill-equipped for farming, and then he put his tractor into gear and rolled off. And now the article explains that it's not Dan's fault he can't get a truck. Like most small holders, he inherited this farm, like I mentioned earlier, but he didn't get much else. So this SUV. Uh, he had repurposed. So would he love a truck? Yes. But like most smallholders, money is tight. I would submit to you money's tight for everybody right now. Every truck he looks at falls into one of the two categories. Okay, that I covered. So here's the irony of the modern pickup. The article says that it used to be that if you drove a truck, you were a farmer 
a rancher or some kind of handyman. It wasn't a status thing. It didn't make you look, uh, it didn't make you tough or macho. It just meant that, well, you needed a truck. Well, when I got my truck, it wasn't because I was trying to look macho. In fact, it was really never on my, on my radar to get a truck until I decided to start hauling my own horse around. So, you know, I think the trucks and now that more and more people are getting them really open up the opportunities for people to do more things than they were able to before. I had an SUV before I got my truck, but before I got the truck, Jeff, I had a minivan. I don't know if they even make those anymore. I never thought in my wildest dreams I would own a minivan until I became a mom. And even then, I was very concerned about personal security. And I would see all these moms trying to deal with their babies, like with the, the hatch and their SUVs, changing diapers and in parking lots, dealing with their kids. Well, what happens when you're focused on your kids like that? You're not focused on anybody that can be coming up around you. So I decided when I became a mom, I'd get a minivan so I could go in that slide out door, close it, lock the doors and do what I needed to do for my baby, be it change diapers, be it nurse, be it feed, whatever I needed to do. So, you know, it kind of made me more open when it came time to, you know, think about what other vehicles would suit my needs. And I eventually went to a truck from that one. So going back to this article, again, there are many reasons why somebody would get the truck, but vanity was certainly not a reason why I changed the styles of vehicles I have. And what they're saying is, here is they're also lamenting the family sedan and that families used to drive in the big the, the sedans. And that ties us back to why I got a Subaru. When we were looking for another car, when my boys started driving, my insurance agent recommended a Subaru because of their safety ratings and because of the safety ratings, they were cheaper to insure. I could have gotten a sedan and a Subaru. They have some really nice ones, but I opted for the hatchback Impreza. Why? They're more practical. I had two dogs at the time. If I wanted to put my dogs in that car, I could put the seat down and I could bring them along. It's really not a comfortable ride for dogs to sit in the back seat of a car. And also if I needed to throw grain in the back for my chickens, if I wasn't taking my truck into town, I had the room and the flexibility. So I almost I think it's fair to say, Jeff, that the sedan is maybe not as popular because it just doesn't have the features or it's not as accommodating for our needs. I think that's really more the key than, you know, than something that I'll bring up uh, another justification. What say you? Yes. And I want to go back to where you started kicking off with this part of it. With me, I can trace my roots back to pickups all the way back to I was about six years old. I took a ride in my best friend Scott's dad's four-wheel drive. And from that day forward, a car was not in my picture. It was always, it's always been uh, four-wheel drives, four, uh, pickups and stuff like that with me. I, I just can't imagine myself driving a car. It just isn't me. I mean, is that vanity? No, it's just who I am. It's part of my, my thinking, my, my life. And as my life has progressed, it's become necessary for me to have a pickup for numerous reasons. It really does not go back to vanity. Are there vanity people out there? Absolutely. There's people out there that have the big status truck that put the big tires on. It's all about status. It's not about them using it, though most of those people that have those, they do use them. It's just not the, I mean, it's, they're out there. It's just not everybody. And again, it, they, those few 
are not the ones causing the shortages. You know, I was talking to a rancher, the local rancher out here, and he runs cattle on a lot of the private land in my area. And I parked my new truck when I was getting my mail and he pulled up and we started talking and, you know, about my truck. And he was saying how, uh, you know, it's going to be really hard to get them because there are a bunch of them that have been built right now, thousands of them, if not more, that have been built right now that are sitting, that are not functional because they can't get the chips that you mentioned. So, you know, back in the day, these were all made on assembly lines, you know, in the good old US of A. And now as things get specialized and then they get, you add technology into the manufacture of these trucks, the technological part is not manufactured here. We know that right now. None of the stuff that we get has the electronics that's manufactured here. Well, when that runs out or if there is any disruption in the supply chain, as we're seeing now, or maybe uh, countries that we're picking fights with might want to slow down production and sending stuff to us or might want to embargo us altogether, these trucks are never going to be put into production because they won't be able to uh, be available to the market because they're not going to run because we can't manufacture this stuff here. So the other thing I was thinking of when, when we were talking about this, whatever happened to the small trucks? In our family, we have a 1985 Toyota pickup you know, manual transmission seats too. And we use that at the track, moving go-karts around. And do you know how many times we're out and about town, people ask if they can buy that truck. I think it's on its third or fourth engine. Everybody wants it. I, I, I We had friends that had, remember the little Rangers? I still think, I don't know if they're making those or not anymore, but you never see them. Yeah, they're still making them. Chevy is still making, they make a Colorado, which is, which is a, uh, a smaller truck. And a lot of people, that's sufficient for what they're doing. You know, there are lots of options out there for people that don't need big trucks that think they can go a little smaller and still do the things they need to do. I mean, the, the, the whole notion that because somebody's buying a truck, they're making it so somebody else, this is very, very reminiscent of other things in society because someone's doing this, they're making it so someone else can't do that. Because somebody's rich, they're making somebody else poor. You know, this whole notion of the good and the bad people, it, it goes over to trucks now, I guess. I don't know. It's just kind of humorous, actually. Well, you, you mentioned the N-word, as they do in here, and that's need. And they say the irony of the modern-day pickup truck is that if you drove a truck you know, before, you were either a farmer, rancher, or handyman, like I said. It was because you needed a truck. And productive sectors of the economy, like agriculture and manufacturing, continue to decline. The trades are starved for manpower. We've seen less of a need for pickups, yet the sales continue to rise. And as they say here, spiked sharply in 2020. Trucks are getting bigger, way bigger. And then they mention a couple of them uh, with the towing capacity of 13,000 pounds. And that's really cool, but know that 99% of the guys driving them won't haul anything bigger than two by fours to patch up their front decks. So what they're saying here is that we don't really need trucks. We have trucks simply because people want them. It's almost as if the free market economy and demand have no play in this. You only are allowed to have a truck without being mocked as owning a boy toy if you need one. And then 
My response to that is who the hell are you to tell me or anybody else what I need? If I want it and I'm willing to pay for it, I will buy it. But that's not, that's not the sole reason why these are expensive. Credit Credit has become ridiculously cheap. As credit gets cheaper, the prices get higher. So you combine cheap credit with demand because these vehicles are freaking practical and they're fun to drive. And who's to say whether I need one or not? A lot of people started buying them back in the, let's say, the early 90s and stuff. They bought them because cars were getting cheaper and smaller, less safe. And so a lot of people started buying SUVs and pickups and because they were large and they were safer to drive. So if you were unfortunately in an accident, you stood a better chance of surviving that accident because you had more mass around you rather than these little go-karts that we're seeing today uh, being per, uh, sent out to the market that are so just tiny little things. They no more than, as I said, a go-kart. So there's no mask to protect you, protect you uh, if you are in an accident. And so the people started buying them because of safety concerns as well. And if you look in the comments in that article on the American conservative, people are actually talking about that saying, we have to defensively make our purchases because as we get into accidents with these larger trucks on the road, we have to have a bigger vehicle. Well, it's not just the pickup trucks, you know, it's the semis, the haulers, the big vans. I mean, it, you know, to me, it doesn't make sense to have a Mini Cooper unless you're going to be driving solely within city limits and not getting out on the freeways. But I, I am out in the hinterlands. I am in the land of interstates here, Interstate 80, Interstate 70, I-15. You know, for me, it would be crazy to drive around in a little car like that. So that was one of the comments as well, is people are buying these cars because they just want to be safer. And the small car I do have has been has the highest safety rating out there. So, you know, you kind of make the concessions where you can. We're going to take a quick break for our friends at Anchor FM and then revisit something else that was covered on the, the show that wasn't mentioned in the article. We'll be right back. And your mind then left you behind I told you the tables would turn Now don't look to me for sympathy Cause baby that bridge has been burned Don't try to explain the dead and the pain Like always your words are just hollow everybody. Welcome back to the Wasatch Report. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson and I are talking about trucks and why the larger trucks are so popular today. We're also going over, bouncing back some ideas that were expressed in an article from the American Conservative, many of which we disagree with, some we don't. But also our good friend Mike Church had some commentary as well. He interviewed this, uh, the author of this article on his show. 
And Mike had some really good responses because this reminded me of during the Obama administration, too, when they made some very dramatic requirements for fuel consumption for cars uh, of all kinds that were going to be produced and the impact it had on the auto industry. Also, Jeff, another reason a lot of these old new trucks are unavailable, I would say, remember uh, cash, I should say cash for clunkers. A lot of perfectly serviceable vehicles that could still be around today were uh, surrendered to the government. We saw a, a vast decline in vehicles that would have been made available to charitable organizations. So I was kind of thinking of that as well as we're kicking this this topic around. But Mike also brings uh, brings up to the attention here the energy crisis in the 70s. Oh, my God, we're still paying for the ramifications of that fallout. Uh, CAF, C-A-F-E or CAFE, Corporate Average Fuel Economy Standards. And uh, this was both on import and domestic automat manufacturers. This demands that the average fuel economy of all vehicles sold, not made, must average a predetermined miles per gallon or the company is fined. For most of the luxury imports, this was simple and the cost was passed off to the consumers uh, who were more than willing to pay. And for the domestics, however, this posed a very difficult situation due to the poor track record with the smaller cars. So the original version of CAFE had two tiers for passenger cars and a second for light trucks, pickup trucks and SUV. So the two-tiered approach welcomed by was welcomed by the U.S. automakers marked the end of the large family sedan and the station wagon counterpart. In the late 60s and 70s, the vehicles were uh, very capable. They could seat up to six comfortably. Jeff, don't you remember piling in the station wagon? And then the kids would go in the very back of the station wagon. We'd drive to the drive-in theaters. And I, I just remember the, the back of the station wagon, we'd sit there and we'd eat McDonald's and have a grand old time. My gosh, you'll get thrown in jail if you try that now. So with the demise of the family sedan, came the rise of the SUV, the luxury pickup, and direct replacements. And the half-ton pickup is now the family sedan and the SUV counterpart wagon. And the domestic and import automakers dump billions into R&D and the highly profitable luxury product lines. Well, Jeff, I would say the popularity of these vehicles is because that they did put that money into, into the R&D and that has made them more practical and more luxurious to drive around, obviously. I mean, case in point, what did I tell you about my truck? I can start it from inside the house. I don't have to go outside in 20 below weather and start up my truck so I can be warm when I go in there. Yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah, my 2020 is the very first vehicle I've ever owned. And I paid for the, the upgrade because all it was was uh, buying the fobs and them just programming the fobs. Because it was already installed in the uh, the chips in the truck, so I have a remote start on my truck, and I I'll tell you during the winter I love it. I started a few oh. minutes before I'm gonna leave for work. When I get out there, it's warm, the windshield's defrosted, and I can just take off for work. The one thing that's interesting about the cafe, I will say this: I had a 2016 uh, GMC with the Duramax, and uh, around town. About the best I could do was probably 16 miles a gallon going back and forth to work. And I got one time on the highway right at 20 miles a gallon going on a trip down to Virginia. But this, I upgraded to a 2020 Silverado with the same Duramax, but 
Chevy changed the Allison in it. It went from a, a six-speed Allison uh, transmission to a 10-speed Allison transmission. On my one trip to go up to Maine to do my closing on my property I bought up there, on that trip, I got 28 miles a gallon out of that pickup truck driving to Maine. There are some sedans out there that barely get 28 miles a gallon. So without towing anything, my truck now, because of the upgrade in the transmission, gets the same mileage as a lot of sedans that are being sold, especially the full-size sedans. Here's another reason why I don't like sedans, and I would never own another one, is when you substitute the sedan or the SUV for these sedans, guess what? If you have cargo that you need to transport and not be damaged by extreme weather conditions, hot or cold, you can keep your stuff in the back storage area and it's in a climate controlled environment. I mean, when we've gone back and forth from California and taken my truck, the one that has the cab over it, I've had stuff get damaged either because of extreme cold or extreme heat because there wasn't room for it in the passenger compartment. And that's the problem that they had with the sedans. So, you know, that's something else. It's yet another reason why, to me, I think the sedans really just don't have much purpose right now, unless it's your drive about town, you don't have kids or your kids are older. But I tell you what, if you have kids, you have a family, you have animals, uh, a sedan is definitely, I, I could never see trying to deal with one of those. Let me go back and see if there's and something And Suzanne, else. what you're just yeah. saying there, a lot of these pickups now, especially like my new pickup, I had a double cab before. So the back seat was really not very big. I upgraded to a crew cab on this pickup. My goodness, you could easily get three car seats back there if you had three little kids and mom and dad in the front. You could comfortably get a family of five, even in car seats, in that pickup now. They've made it so it is actually larger more roomy than any of these sedans because most of these sedans you're not going to get three car seats in the back seat or if you do they're going to be crammed in there so today it just becomes more practical for people to own these pickups and like i said earlier the production of these pickups has tripled in the last 25 years 30 years so they have seen the market they've adjusted to the market and they're making these vehicles that people want and they're very practical for them. So, again, here we are. We're, we got the cafe. We got the practica practicality of them. And we haven't even got into some of the really big reasons that a lot of people are getting them today. Yeah. So, again, cheap credit, government regulations, and they have what people want. So here's what, and he also does mention, to be fair, that the old school two-door truck is going extinct. I Like I said, I just don't see them out here other than the one we have. So then he says that most of the models we see, and this is the part where I start disagreeing with him, are SUVs with a tiny bed in the back. Well, you know what? I have I have a short bed on my truck because for me, I don't need to have a lot of things in the back, but you know what? It'll fit an elk. It'll fit pretty much anything I need to get from, you know, the home improvement store. It'll fit a bunch of grain in the back there as well. And, and it'll have, also haul. Yeah. And I have uh, enough room in there. I have a short box as well. Intentional because I did buy the crew cab. So if I have a crew cab with an eight foot bed, now I'm driving this truck that is so long that yeah. it's impractical in parking lots. I can, I, I'm having to do K turns just to get into parking spaces. So it's, it's a practical thing. And in the bed of my truck, the short box 
is my fifth wheel hitch. So I'm, I still can do what I need to do with that by and gave myself more room inside the cab and lose a little bit in the bed of the truck, but I can still do everything I need to do with that truck with the shorter bed. You know, it's almost like this guy's complaining because we have too many choices. It's kind of like a Bernie <laughs> Saunders complaining about how many varieties of what deodorant there are. Folks, if people are willing to buy them, the companies are going to be selling them. So now this is where the guy starts getting, to me, a little bit petty. He's saying that all the trucks these days are are big. And he quotes a car and driver saying that the new Ram 1500 sounds like it ate a band of demons. Seriously, he says, who are they marketing these things to? Not the farmer who has to worry about waking up his kids when he goes to work at 4 a.m. Not the landscaper who probably won't get much business if his truck rolls up, sounding like the uh, symphony orchestra. He said, these trucks aren't designed for work. Just the opposite of fact, the truck market is compensating for the decline of its traditional constituents, the independent blue-collar worker. And in um, March, Bloomberg did an interesting profile called Supersized Pickups. Well, this is from Bloomberg, so we know where this is going. The Bloomberg article here shows... Um, in night since 1990, most pickups have added 1,300 pounds on the average. Some of the biggest vehicles now weigh 7,000 pounds, and the vehicles have a voracious appetite for space, one that's increasingly irreconcilable with the way cities and garages and parking lots are built. And I'm going to say that is a frustration I experience all the time. Even in California, when um, I was living in an agricultural area, you know, it said small cars only at a local shopping center for these parking spots. And I thought, well, even for where I lived in, in Morgan Hill, California, that was that was country. You know, I thought, well, this is an F-150. To According to all the other trucks, this is a compact car, because even there, I thought it was still one of the smaller cars. He said the, the styling trends are almost as alarming. Pickup truck front ends. I'm going to share a story about this, too. Have front ends have warped into scowling brick walls, billboards for outwardly directed hostility. Boy, is that city speak for we hate trucks or what? The goal of the modern truck grills uh, seems to be about creating a massive, brutal face of rage and intimidation. Well, on my on my older F-150, I've got a cattle guard on there. Is that to scare anybody off? No, it's about to save my freaking life. Uh, it's about saving my life if I'm driving up the mountain and a moose goes out in front of me. Just the other night, Jeff, I sent you a picture. I was driving up the mountain and something told me, you better go slow right here. And just about a quarter mile after I slowed way down, uh, there was I saw something on the side of the road and I thought, that is a huge buck. No, it was a bull elk. If I had been flying up the road and that thing dodged out in front of me, that's really bad news in a small car or a truck without a grill on there. So that's why I got one. But I went into, um, I actually wrote a blog about this gal who teaches yoga at the studio where I go. It's called Downward Facing Vegan. She came in hot on a tear one day, upset because her business partner had bought a sheep from the, um, from the local county fair, part of the 4-H program. You can read that about that if you're interested on my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. It's called The Downward Facing Vegan. But I forgot about her. Until uh, and this other comment, until I read this article, she was saying I was in traffic and this man with one of those 
big, aggressive looking trucks. We were fighting over, you know, he was trying to just stay in the open lane and I was blocking him. Jeff, you're supposed to, you know, zipper in and give space to these people, not line up two miles before it's time to merge like these idiots do. So he was doing what he should have been doing. And she took great pride in the fact that this, uh, this, this truck driver with his aggressive looking truck actually had an accident further up the road. That's, that's your kind and tolerant leftist, by the way. So this is the mentality that I'm, that came to mind when I was reading this article. So then he goes into, again, this is purely an anecdotal here. A 16 year old in a shiny new F-250 was rolling coal at some bicyclists when he plowed into six of them. What does that have to do with anything here other than to, by implication, disparage people that own trucks? So what if it's an F-250? So what if it's shiny? Maybe his family does have a farm. Maybe they do haul something. We don't know why they own it, but just like gun ownership, it's none of anybody's damn business why you own one. So he starts talking about country music and and how, you know, trucks and essentially what he's saying. And I think this is what struck a nerve with you. And this is also what was being discussed on that show was that these these trucks, which we have already explained why they're so popular, why they're so functional, are really nothing more than than boy toys or means by which people men uh, are compensating for other areas for having these trucks. And it's almost like this guy has some something against trucks themselves. Because I tell you what, if this is simply vanity and you don't really need one, it's kind of like saying, if you, you don't need a sports car unless you're a professional race car driver, right? Yeah, you don't need a Mustang. You don't need a Camaro. So, I mean, what are you compensating for? Because you bought this sports car. So, you know, I don't know when you wanted to get into this, but I'm going to kind of change the gear a little bit with it. And you know what? He's making all these assumptions that these people are buying these boy toys and stuff. Not everyone's buying it because of vanity. I mean, there's other reasons. I mean, we talked about the practicality and all these other things, but there's people out there that don't own farms, but they may be buying this because they are into a preparedness lifestyle. This, right. this is necessary for them to be prepared. So perhaps they bought this so they could, if they're, maybe they live in an urban area and knowing they live in that urban area and, but they own a piece of property up in the mountains where they, they plan to escape to if there's unrest yep. in the urban areas. So they buy a nice big pickup that number one, they can, they have a trailer for as well. So they can haul a lot. They can put a lot in a bed. They can put a lot in a trailer and they can leave uh, when there's maybe something going on. Or even a hurricane. Let's not even talk about unrest. Let's just talk about a natural disaster. There's a hurricane coming. They live on the Gulf Coast. They load up the bed of their truck. They load up their their trailer. And they evacuate out of the path of the storm, being prepared people that they are. And they move to where they're safe. What does that have to do with a boy toy? It's a practical I... issue. This is something that uh, with us, we talk about preparedness all the time. And this, buying a truck is a practical, prepared mindset. You know, that is exactly why I ended up putting a cab on my truck because I thought, you know, if things get bad and we have to get out of California, I'm in the Bay Area. 
I'm going to have to go through some choke points to get out of here, which is why, again, eyes up, get out early. But I thought if I have to do that or we're traveling somewhere where I have a lot of gear in the back, I want it to be secured. But preparedness was, to me, the most important factor in having not only a truck, but putting a cab over the back. So we are leaving. Things are kind of dicey. We're getting out. We have our equipment. We have a lot of our gear. That is secured. It's locked in the back, and we can get through where we need to go. Oh, wow. We're stuck for a while somewhere. Need some shelter? We'll just go in the back and get some shelter if something happens, or we need to sleep in the back of it, or something like that. So the preparedness and self-reliance aspect of having a truck made that in a, a very, very uh, important feature for me. And that's why I'm not going to get rid of the truck that I have. It's going to be impossible to replace it. We've got the cab on the back, the ranch, uh, the ranch hand cattle guard in the front, and it is a perfect vehicle. Do I think I'm driving around intimidating anybody with it? No, absolutely not. I don't know why they decided to take that angle on that and and really alienate a lot of people that might have, I don't know, considered listening to that show more often. But, um, you know, I, I think it's really important to not disregard, again, the value of free choice and having these vehicles. And uh, they they serve a very worthy purpose. I'm looking in this article to see if there's anything else that really is worthy of discussing. He does compare uh, truck and gun sales, how they both spiked during COVID-19 pandemic and the 2020 election. Again, we know the reasons why that had it. Um, and then here he goes, these big boy toys made you feel safe and strong as the world slips out of control. Well, Jeff, call it what you want, but I really liked knowing that I had the opportunity to get my kids and the gear we would need out of an area. And also the truck that I have right now and the one that I had then, I live in the mountains. We get a lot of snow and I need, and I, I have a steep driveway that curves. I need to get in and out of there and no, I'm not going to get stuck in the snow. So it's really funny because at the end of this article, um, and then of course he has to bring Trump into it, like voting. He says, uh, these big boy toys make us feel safe when the world slips out of control, like voting for Trump. They're good in themselves, but also like voting for Trump. They're not going to save the country, not by themselves. Well, that's implying that Trump is going to save it at all, but you know, this is the American conservative. So he says here too, <laughs> we can be too quick to judge these folks. Yes, like you just did. They're trying to be real men in a culture that despises manhood. Jeff, are you trying to prove that you're not pajama boy by driving around in this truck? No, again, it's uh, you hit on another reason why it's necessary for me to have a pickup where I live. I live up in the country. Uh, when we have snowstorms, it's going to be a while sometimes before our roads are clear up here. This last winter, we had major snowstorms, and it was a few days before they cleared the roads. It took me hours just to clear my driveway, and let alone the roads around here. They were just impassable for a few days to most people. But some of us truck drivers that own pickup trucks, we could have gotten places. The main reason I cleared out the driveway is so that I could get to the road. Because people had been driven over them. So, like, if my mom is, she was my next door neighbor then. And so, if she had a problem, I could get her down to get help. That's the main reason for having a pickup out here in the country is because you're able to get out 
when others will not be able to with cars. Yeah, and I don't know anything about this guy, but I have the impression that this is a guy that's riding from a um, apartment in New York, judging the, the the people in the flyover states that have legitimate needs for these vehicles, needs and simply desires. You know, there's a lot of stuff in here that I just simply like. When I I, I still drive my truck with the hearing, the steering wheel heater on, and my AC at the same time because I can. We're going to take a quick break for our musical sponsor, Roxanne, and then we're going to wrap up the show. We'll be right back. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. everybody, Jeff Johnson and I. I'm Suzanne Sherman. This is the Wasatch Report. We're talking about trucks and an article from the American Conservative. And it's really interesting. Um, as he wraps up his, his uh, diatribe here, he's lamenting being too quick to judging these people and saying that uh, these, these men that are trying to compensate for the lack of manliness in modern day society, they're just trying to be patriots in a nation racked with self-loathing they're doing their best to make sense of a world gone mad, just like you, just like me. Now, I don't think he really knows what he's talking about here, but I want to bring up a word. This is another example of the um, of the N-word national here. Uh, he's saying that nationalism is a good thing. I want to refer you to an article, and you can find it on my website, SuzanneCSherman.com, under published articles, Suzanne's articles. And it's one I wrote called The Church of National Government. And in there, I quote George Orwell. He had an essay in, I think it was 1946, he wrote this. And it was absolutely fantastic. And I took an, eps, an excerpt out where he distinguishes nationalism from patriotism. So please indulge me while I just share this paragraph to you. By nationalism, I mean the habit of identifying oneself with a single nation or, an, or other unit placing it beyond good and evil and recognizing no other duty other than that of advantage of its interest. Nationalism is not to be confused with patriotism. Both words are normally used in so vague a way that any definition is liable to be challenged, but one must draw a distinction between them since two different and even opposing ideas are involved. By patriotism, 
I mean devotion to a particular place and a particular way of life, which one believes to be the best in the world, but has no wish to force on other people. Patriotism is of its nature defensive, both militarily and culturally. Nationalism, on the other hand, is inseparable from the desire for power. The abiding purpose of every nationalist is to secure more power and more prestige, not for himself, but for the nation or other unit in which he has chosen to sink his own individuality. The gist of that for me, Jeff, is nationalism is collectivism at its finest. And that's the step that's really getting us into trouble. The other thing I want to mention here, too, is the issue with, with these trucks, if you think about this, um, and this is something to keep an eye out. As this progresses, they're going to be looking for more electric vehicles. I think by 2030, California won't even have allow gas-powered vehicles in the state. They're going in that direction. Interestingly, and so, and so is New York. Go ahead. New, New York has uh, now okay. announced they're going to go on board with the California, and there's going to be electric vehicles. And Chevy has said by a certain date. All their vehicles will be electric, so there you won't have the option of gasoline from them. This is not just theory. This is actual statements from two states and from a manufacturer. I haven't know. I don't know Ford and if Chrysler Dodge has made the similar statements at this point. Well, the other thing too is what's the issue with California and electricity? They don't have enough of it, folks. <laughs> They're never going to be able to power all of these electric vehicles. So what you're seeing is. They're already having announcements. Can you please not uh, charge your electric vehicles when people need AC? We're seeing, um, what would I say, voluntary restrictions on being able to power up your electric vehicles. What's going to happen when that's no longer voluntary and you're assigned dates and times when you may charge or operate your electric vehicles, just like they've done in California with water rationing. You know, we've had neighbors turning each other in because they're watering on a day that they're not supposed to. This is coming. Do you remember that meme that I think I shared? And I don't know, maybe you shared it. I've seen a few people that did about the car that was parked on the side of the road. And it said that they ran out of gas because they had gotten through their monthly allotment. You don't think this is coming? They're, I mean, they're trying to force you into these urban areas and they're going to make it more difficult for you to be able to be free to move. Electric vehicles will limit your ability to move around. You'll, you'll have only short trips that you'll be able to make, maybe back and forth to work from your urban center to the inner city or from your urban area into the same urban area just a few blocks away. They're definitely shortening our ability to move about freely. And that is not a good thing. Well, even in Mexico City, I mean, depending on your driver's, uh, your, your license plate on your vehicle, there are only certain days you're allowed to drive. So this is coming. Now add to this, I just want to bring this up really fast. I'd like to spend more time on this on another show. But uh, this is something uh, out of Mises Wire that William Anderson just wrote. And this is discussing the attacks that the Biden administration is starting on the oil companies. And he's doing this via the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. They're going to require public companies to disclose how operations contribute to 
climate change and what's going to be done to comply with greenhouse gas emission guidelines. The former acting SEC chair, Allison Heron Lee, released a statement in July, laid out the update for disclosure requirements. The SEC is going to evaluate how companies follow climate change guidelines from 2010, discuss the climate-related disclosures with companies, then examine the impact of climate risks on the stock market. The commission will update the guidelines, most likely resulting in an expansion of disclosure from companies on how their businesses affect the environments. Now, obviously, this is regulatory overreach, but this is another means by which using securities and cutting off investment into the oil industries that they're going to attack the oil industries. Again, when gas, when oil, when all of this becomes too expensive to buy, what's going to happen? These big trucks are going to be useless. So the government, according to the first article we talked about, not only funneled everybody, albeit indirectly, into these bigger, less fuel efficient vehicles, but now they're attacking the very industry that's going to keep these gas tanks filled in these vehicles. So again, Jeff, like you said, they are tightening the noose. They're going to be shutting down our ability to travel. What happens when these trucks become obsolete? In California, I think it's uh, semi-trucks built after or before 2011 aren't allowed to be operated in that state. And that's one of the reasons, again, they're not able to get the goods from the, uh, the ports uh, trucked out from that area. And nobody's really talking about that as well. So by using the SEC, the Biden administration is attacking the oil industries, much like they are planning to use OSHA to attack businesses who haven't complied with their capricious vaccine desires. And I'm not going to call them mandates. I'm not going to call them orders. I'm not going to call them laws because they're none of which. It's an opinion that Joe Biden has that's being touted as federal law. And that's absolutely not the case. So go to any airport if you don't believe me, and there will be signs all over from the TSA that it is federal law to wear a mask on an airplane. And there's no such thing. Ask them to cite the law. But if you try and ask them to do that, guess what? Your happy little butt's not getting on the airplane because you're going to be considered a troublemaker. So um, any any closing? Oh, one other thing, Jeff, too. I will not dispute the fact that there are owners of vanity trucks out there, okay? People that want to buy those trucks. When I, when I got my second truck, they had some on the lot that had like 21, 20, or like 22 inch wheels or like the ridiculous wheels where there was no, there was no, what do they call that space S between the wheel? Yeah, oh. the sidewall. Thank you. You know, there's no sidewall. That truck's not hauling anything. That truck's not going to climb through anything. It's not going to get you through any mud. But by golly, if you want those chrome wheels and they have the ones that spin, you know, they have the fancy wheels inside like that. And you just like how it feels like, you know, to drive a truck but you don't want to get it dirty. You want to have those fancy wheels. Guess what? That's up to you. That's yep. your decision. This guy talks about nationalism and, and, and the, 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 the choice to do what you want. Well, these people have their choice too. Yep. There are a lot of cars out there I wouldn't drive. Right. And I conceded that point earlier in the show. I conceded that, yes, there are people out there that are buying these for, their, for vanity reasons. Is that a valid reason for that person? Sure it is. If, yeah. Unless if you are like this guy's doing, obviously he has a problem with the free market. He doesn't believe in the free market, obviously, because he wants somebody to regulate that only people that have an absolute need for a truck should have a truck. And only people that have an absolute need for over $600 should be able to get $600 from their bank account. 
obviously this is not a free market thing. This is obviously something that this guy has a problem with. I have no idea. People have their own reasons for everything they do. And a truck is no different. And we cited very practical reasons why people could really want a truck. He also, he also brings the N-word into having a gun. He says, because you want the big boy toys, uh, the people that are just going out there trying to show that their guns are a fashion statement or an accessory, that sort of thing is people that have these guns are making it harder for the folks who need them. If you need a gun, you're going to be able to get one. They're more expensive and more heavily regulated. Well, that's not because that <laughs> the reason guns are regulated has nothing to do with the fact that people want to buy them. It's because the politicians simply don't want us to have them. So anyway, I when you said you wanted to talk about this, I thought that's cool because I love the idea of talking about these trucks because it brings in so many things. It brings in the fact that some people can't handle the fact that other others are driving vehicles or have firearms that they don't think they should have because it makes people uh, it makes it more difficult and, dif and and more expensive to purchase them. And this also ties into a recent blog I wrote called Our Preppers Selfish. So are these people that have these trucks selfish? No. Just like I was accused of being, uh, to, I was blamed by somebody on a show, Jeff, that they couldn't get toilet paper. Because I said, I have all I need. This was back in early 2020 when everybody was making a run on toilet paper. I said, beg your pardon, sir. I've been getting this a little at a time. Every time I go out, I'll get something. And when it comes time to actually need it, I have it on hand. If you choose to go out when the news agencies are telling you to be frightened and then try to stock up and you can't get what you need, that's on you, not me. All right, everybody. I think we had a nice little rant here, Jeff. I think you got to clear the air and get some stuff off your chest. I hope you feel better now. Oh, I do. And uh, you know what? Uh, it's, it is what it is. I am just trying to make the point that, you know, there people have reasons for everything. Uh, people have reasons for not retiring and continue working for a long time. And people at work, I'm, I'm specifically speaking about my work, people always are like, why don't you just retire? Well, you know what? They have reasons. They have life choices okay. that they have made that mean that they're not going to retire. They have their reasons. Everyone has reasons for everything they do. You know what? You may not like it, but they're valid reasons. And because it's their reason, so don't make it a point that everyone has have, is a boy, getting a boy toy or the gun they're buying is, is about their manhood or whatever it is. Everyone makes choices based on their reality in their life. And if you don't like that, well, tough. Too bad. Everyone's life is different than yours. Yes. So go truck off. All right, everybody. This has been the Wasatch Report. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson, and I want to thank you for joining us today. God bless you.